Welcome to the NateHoldridge.com podcast, where we're taking a look at some of the articles that Pastor Nate has written at NateHoldridge.com and just going a little bit deeper into them with some conversation about them. Today, we're in the second installment of a three-part series that Pastor Nate has written about the Christian and singleness. Let's get into it. In Scripture, Paul tells us that singleness is a gift from God. Do you have this gift, or is this only a season in your life? Either way, we will all be single at some point in our lives. If you are blessed to have received the gospel during your single years, then you have an opportunity to love and serve the Lord just as Paul did. He ran in the love of Christ. He said, the love of Christ compels me, and he meant it. Even if not permanent, your singleness is a gift, an opportunity God has given you for his glory. All right, Nate. Riley. Part two, singleness. Totally. Okay, I didn't have the time to Google this. Maybe you can kind of help me. You use a word in this. You say panacea, panacea. <laughs> you got it the first time. Is that was that it? <laughs> yeah, the huh. like a like a magic medicine oh, that okay. solves all ills. <laughs> a little essential oil kind of stuff right there. Oh man, singleness part two. This is a cool article, Nate. This is an alternative to marriage, is what you called it. And uh, at the beginning of the article, you give this really beautiful, I think, just kind of presentation of what Scripture says about marriage a little bit. It's obviously not a full-on thing about it, but kind of talk about what what Paul said to the Corinthians a little bit. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of just, for those of us just kind of coming into this fresh... You, you spoke about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 6 through 9, about marriage, about singleness. This might just like open up the conversation a little bit, but can you kind of talk more specifically about the marriage part of it, and then we'll get into the singleness Oh, part? yeah, totally. I, I mean, you probably would feel the same way I do, that, you know, as much as we want to really be careful in doing church ministry and like, you know, being the body of Christ— we want to really be careful that we don't idolize marriage. Right. Um, I think we probably also recognize that we need to give it the appropriate um, honor right. that the Bible gives to it. And I think especially in the modern time that we're living in, where maybe some people come into their Christian life uh, with less than a stellar view hmm. of marriage, yeah, and maybe think lowly of it. You know, a lot of people are believing right now that you know half of the marriages out there are destined to fail, and hmm. I believe that those statistics are greatly misleading. You know, a lot of those failed marriages are people's second and third or fourth marriages, but for for people who are in Christ, legitimately in Christ, actual hmm. serious believers who get married. You know, a lot of them find deep and beautiful and wonderful mm. satisfaction in that relationship. And I think it's been a real lie of the enemy to, you know, kind of say like, ah, it's all you can't you can't believe any of it. It's all it's all a farce, you know, because 
Now, unfortunately, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence about that. You know, we've all known someone who we thought, I thought that they had a good marriage and then it implodes and you discover, oh, it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't as good as I, as I thought it was. And that might lend us to, to believe that there's no such thing as a good marriage. But, you know, Paul said in Ephesians 5 that marriage is a, 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 picture of or a a type of the marriage between Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. It's like this mysterious, beautiful, powerful union that God himself has authored. And, you know, it is an element that was in existence before the fall of man. God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that he should be alone. I'll make him a helper helper comparable to him. And the the Mm -hmm. two became one flesh. So God's word honors the, you know, marital relationship. And I, I think it's good for us whether we're called to singleness or not, it's good for us to have that honor of marriage and the family within our hearts. You know, it, we, we might not necessarily live it out with our own lives, mm. but we should have a, a sense of respect and dignity f- for it. So in your article, Nate, you kind of talk about a few different things, but <clears throat> you address something that's kind of close to my heart. You say that, Um, marriage isn't a sign of personal holiness. And I know for me, being a married guy to a wonderful person, a wonderful woman who challenges me in my holiness, (laughs) I know I have personally even taught before how marriage can be a a space where two people can um, experience holiness, how different things can be purged from our lives and we can be driven towards Mm -hmm. following God in a real powerful way. But marriage isn't the main vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. Is a vehicle? Can you give some thought to that about? Yeah, maybe a way to say to say it is that you know it might be because you're not holy that <laughs> the Lord wants you to get married. You know, I mean, Paul there by himself, an unmarried man, he was so sanctified, mm. so set yeah, apart, so godly, and I think that's part of the reason why he was passionate for the possibility of singleness in a person's life because he's thinking about what he was able to do and Mm -hmm. the places he was able to go and the ministry he was able to conduct because he didn't have that marital restriction in his life. But I mean, come on, all of us know people who were so carnal and got married. Mm. It's not a sign of God's uh, you know, like, okay, you've come to a place of such maturity in your life <laughs> that I'm now going to allow you to be married. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I got married, I, you know, I'd, I'd grown. I wasn't who I was, but, man, I, I, had, I had a lot further to go, just like I still do today. Right. So, you know, it's, it isn't some sign of, you know, God saying, okay, You've now, you know, been able to punch this holiness card in your life to this degree, and so now I'm going to allow you uh, to be married, and and I th- I think that's good, you know, because uh, you know we might th- I think I think sometimes people, you know, in the church I've I've seen people kind of look at others and say, well, you know, they just don't yet understand because mm-hmm. they haven't reached the level of maturity that we've reached and. Here we are, and a big yeah. evidence of our maturity is the fact that we're married. But I know people who are in Christ who are unmarried, 
whose level of maturity is stronger than people who I know in yeah, Christ who are married. And so it, it isn't an indicator of personal holiness. And I think that's an important designation for us to get in our minds. I mean, obviously, if Jesus unmarried, uh, you know, what you know, obviously we understand him to be holy, pure, righteous, complete, all of that without the institution of marriage in his his life. So the same is possible for us as well. I just totally agree with that, Nate. I've I've seen young even young men just in the ministries that I'm leading here at um, at Calvary in the college ministry, young guys who are pursuing <clears throat> a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle that's dedicated to God that is so impressive to me, even just being a married man, and I look at different people in our community, and I'm just so, I can just see how God has grabbed a hold of their heart and is pulling them into this um, just really sweet kind of holy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reality is, of course, that uh, if the Lord does have a calling of marriage upon your life, you do want to get ready for that. Right. You know, you do want mm-hmm. to grow in your holiness and become more sanctified and become more Christ-like, you know. So you, you do want that. So maybe that's where some of the idea yeah. of, oh, now I've attained a certain level of maturity or sanctification or holiness, and so now I'm qualified to be married. Maybe that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But but again, just looking at the example of Paul as he says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, when he says, I wish all were as I myself am. It helps us understand, okay, so, you know, he obviously wanted people to be holy mm-hmm. and set apart and sanctified. So he obviously sees a way forward to that without necessarily the institution of marriage happening in a person's life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, even just thinking about that, you don't, I don't know if this is actually in your article, but marriage is just this relationship that two people can have together where holiness is really and there's, there's a great space for that to happen for a single person. What does that look like for them in relationship? Is that through community, through serving to like find that holiness for God to operate in their lives? Yeah, you really have to, I mean, in, in marriage, you have to invite it into your life as well because you have to open up yourself to your spouse. But as a single person, you really do have to pursue that and to open up your life to, other people and you need to continue to do that even in your married state you know it shouldn't only be your spouse that is ever speaking into your life although of course it's a different kind of level with them but yeah you know as a single person you want to really make sure that you're inviting the right people into your life that you're making good decisions when it comes to the friends that are Mm -hmm. in your life because you're going to look like the friends that you have more than likely it's important that you're bringing into your life Uh, older believers or more mature believers who are able to instruct you and teach you and help you and maybe speak boldly into your life and honestly into your life. But, you know, frankly, I've watched a lot of single people who have done all of these things that I'm talking about, and they have grown at a much more accelerated (laughs) rate than a lot of people who kind of get married and just forget about those other elements of the Christian life. So these are things that Christians do, not necessarily just things that that single Christians do. 
But if a person is unmarried, then yeah, absolutely. You want to pursue the the, the varying uh, types of discipleship-oriented relationships in your life. When you reach a certain maturity level, you want to follow that example. And I'm sure you've heard it said before, and I, I think it's a good analogy, but you know, everybody should have a Paul in their mm-hmm. lives, you know, someone older than them speaking into their lives. Everyone should have a Timothy in their lives, you know, someone that is younger than them that they're able to pour into. And I always forget like who the same level, I think it's like a Barnabas, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, oh, I think you're you right. should always have a Barnabas right. in your life, you know, mm-hmm. someone on the level with you, you know, that's, that's a friend, right. you know, someone on this, you mutually choose each other, you know, kind of thing, which is a different uh, podcast, my Proverbs thing about choosing friends. All right. But um, yeah, you know, you, you've got to really pursue that in your life, you know, as a single person. <clears throat> That's cool. I love that conversation about relationship. Um, the next thing that you kind of talk about in your article is about God's favor and how it's oftentimes portrayed in the church that once, if, if you do become a married person, that that is a sign of God's favor on your life. And I know for me personally, I've fallen into saying words like that, like God smiled on me when he gave me my wife or God provided for me when he gave me my wife, which I was really challenged in. I, I believe those things in in a sense, but I don't believe that marriage is the sign that I have attained like that holiness like you're talking about or that I have done good enough to therefore have a wife because, I mean... We're talking about grace here. We're talking about this grace talking right about. now. We're talking about God's grace upon Amen. our lives. And when I was a single man, I was under God's grace. And now as a married man, I am under God's grace. And if he had decided that marriage was not what he had for me, I would still be under God's grace. Amen. If I was in a difficult marriage, I would be under God's grace. If I lost my family through tragedy, I would be under God's grace. His watchful eye is upon my life. I'm his child. He's leading me. He's guiding me. And so often, we just have no clue what we're talking mm. about when we say, I'm blessed. Right. You know, the Lord knows what is a blessing in our lives. The Lord knows what we need. The Lord knows what we can handle. And the Lord knows what will shape us and mold us and deepen us and create the the real, true, best version of us to come forward and to come out. So, yeah, it's good for us not to be thinking of marriage as uh, a sign of God's blessing right. on our lives. It can be a sign of God's totally. blessing, but it is not the sign of God's blessing. I think that's probably what you were alluding to oh, there a yeah, second totally. ago. You know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the Lord has blessed your life as he's brought you chestly into your life. Come on. And all of us are blessed <laughs> that Chesley's in your life as well. But on the other hand, uh, she is a blessing mm-hmm. in your life and a version of blessing that God wanted to give to you. But every year, every day that you had that you did not know her was also a blessing from the Lord. He Amen. was doing a work in your life. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that's so easy for us. You know, it, this happens across the board. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor and, you know, work in a church. And so it's very easy to find material that's like, you know, well, how did your 
church gets so blessed. Hmm. And it's like, well, we did this, then we did this, then we did this, and then we did this. And it sounds like, and, and to me, it's like, well, that doesn't sound like blessing. That sounds like a wage. You yeah. did all these things, and then God did that for you because you did all these things. That's not what we're talking about uh, as believers. We're talking about God's gift, God's mm. grace, God's kindness, looking at our lives and saying, you know, you're in Christ, you're in me, you haven't deserved this, you haven't earned this, but this is what I'm going to do in your life mm. right now. So it's really important because... I'm sure you've seen that happen before. You know, someone who they get married and they really feel like I earned this, I attained this, yeah. instead of saying no, this is just the way that God has decided to bless my life right now, mm. and I'm so glad, so grateful, so thankful. But we got to kind of get that out of our system. Paul was favored immensely by God. Obviously, Jesus is the one who is favored by God. The Father said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased," and mm they were unmarried. So this helps us kind of, again, to remember it's not a sign of our holiness and it's also not a sign of God's uh, favor or grace on our lives. We can have God's grace without uh, being married. That is so true. And you, even just a couple, a couple moments ago said trigger word for me, gift. God's grace is a gift. Amen. And in this article, you talk about how singleness can be a gift. Can you kind of expand on that idea how that looks for a Christian? Yeah, totally. That that, that idea comes from 1 Corinthians 7, 7, which we've kind of centered mm. this discussion about. Right. Um, that, you know, that passage there in 1 Corinthians. But there, Paul in verse 7 says, each has his own gift from God. And before it, he says, I wish all were as I, I myself am. So he's clearly talking about his unmarried single mm -hmm. state and he's saying i wish everyone was like this no one has to be like this right. i'm not saying this is a command i'm not going to bully anybody into this nobody has to but each person has their own gift from the lord and he's alluding to himself he's saying i am able to do this single life mm -hmm. i have a gift from uh, the lord to be able to do this now of course the debate then is centered around is this a spiritual gift right. uh, or not? It is the same word for the spiritual gifts, the, mm. the word gift that Paul uses here. Um, so, I, you know, I tend to think that, I mean, I don't know if I would classify it as a spiritual gift or, or not. I, I tend to teach it anytime I'm doing teaching on the spiritual gifts. I tend to mention the gift of singleness. But... It seems like Paul is talking about this is a this is an ability that God has gifted to me. He has wired me uh, to be able to to do uh, this thing. So he felt it a gift or a grace to be able to live the the single you know kind of life, which I think you know because I've talked to so many people, of course, who have asked the question like I, I don't know. I'm wondering if I have the gift of yeah. uh, singleness. And, you know, I, I think on one hand, that's it's hard to ascertain, right? Because if you are single, then God wants to grace you for that singleness, however long it might last. Mm -hmm. You know, so he wants to enable you to be able to be consecrated, hold fast to your sexual integrity, um, to live a life that honors him. He wants to 
grace you to do that uh, till the day that you're married. And then after you're married, he wants to grace you to have sexual integrity inside your marriage. He wants to grace you to be able to be the best spouse that you could possibly be, be very Christ-like. So he wants to grace us for the seasons of our lives. But for Paul, it seemed to be more than just that. It seemed to be like a desire. Like, I, I don't yeah, want to be did. married. I am thankful for the state that I have. And it, and it, for me, is a permanent experience. So the way I like to think about it is probably for lots of people, if not most people, the grace of being single will be a temporary experience where God gives them power to be able to do it for his glory and honor for however long it lasts in their lives. And to be honest, for some people, that's at the front end of their lives. Mm. And then for other people who lose a spouse due to death or tragedy or sin, that singleness comes in the middle or at the end of their lives. So whenever it comes, God will grace us or can grace us for that moment to do it well. But then there are some who just receive a real like gift of it mm-hmm. where they they don't want to marry they have the conviction to remain single and that seems to be more where Paul was at so when someone asks me I don't know I want to be married so bad but do I have the gift of singleness you know <laughs> I don't think that's how it works yeah I think that if you had the Pauline version of the gift of singleness you would feel the way Paul felt about it. Mm. And you'd say, I'm so thankful for this. I don't want to be married. This is my calling in life, and I embrace it. Um, if you don't feel that way, then you might have a more temporary grace from God to be mm. able to do your singleness well. But that doesn't mean that the longing in your heart is going to evaporate. Right. Hey, I think we're out of time, Nate, but are there any final thoughts you have about this, the alternative to marriage, singleness? You know, the truth is that every single one of us is going to be single at some point in our lives. And like I said, it might be just the traditional beginning stage of life. But look, not every person on earth gets married Mm -hmm. and then is outlived by their spouse that they were married to early on in life. Uh, We become widows. We become divorcees. We sometimes have a lifelong or longer, uh, not longer, we sometimes have a lifelong calling towards singleness. Mm -hmm. But every single one of us at some point or another is going to be called by the Lord to a life of singleness. And we just really want to receive God's grace and God's power, God's enabling in that moment. And if if you're living in that season, you know, and you're just kind of listening to this, you know, my encouragement to you is just to continue to press on in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Know that, you know, I think sometimes uh, someone who's single, they might battle, you might battle with a feeling of aloneness, but the truth is you're not alone. Amen. The Lord is with you. He's walking with you in this. And not only is the Lord walking with you in this, but there are countless believers who are also living that single life unto God. So you are definitely not alone. And don't believe for a moment when you hear, you know, a, an analogy from the pulpit or an example, you know, in a life group about marriage or something like that. Don't believe that that is the reality for 99.9% of the population and that you are just not in that group. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. We live in a culture and a time and a season where over half of the American adult population is now single. Mm -hmm. And that number has impacted the body of Christ as well. And there are many great brothers and sisters in Jesus who are loving him, honoring him, devoted to him. And I would just encourage you, find a find a serious church. Mm-hmm. Find a, a serious church that really loves the Lord, really loves his word, because you're going to find other serious single people to and and married people as well that will link arms with you as you live out your singleness unto God. Hmm. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so this post was nateholdridge.com, and you know I got a bunch of stuff there, but nateholdridge.com forward slash 21. So nateholdridge.com slash 21 for the second singleness article. And just, you know, got a bunch of stuff there. And that's where I spend a bulk of my online time is just writing and creating for that uh, community. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter. That's the only social network I'm on at this time. Just at N Holdridge, at N Holdridge, and love to have you follow and leave a comment. And you know, I just would say also that uh, if you you know feel led to share you know an mm-hmm. article or a podcast with somebody else, that means the world you know to us. Yeah. But specifically to me, you know, I, I know putting it on your social platform or whatever is is neat, and an iTunes review is cool and all that. But for me, it means the world to me. If you, as you listen to these, just think about a single person or a married person in your life that you think would be edified by this discussion, and you just text them a link to this podcast, that to me means so much. I know it's, it doesn't get big numbers and stuff like that, but that you would you know, think of us in that way and you know, want to share this with just one person would just be really cool. So thanks in advance if you do that. That's huge. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation about singleness and the Christian. For more information about this conversation, please visit nateholdridge.com to read the full article. Also, if you would like to have articles regularly sent to your email inbox, then you can sign up for that online as well. And if you haven't already, please go to the iTunes store and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Please share this with your friends. That would mean a ton to us. And also, if you want to follow Pastor Nate and his ministry, you can follow him on Twitter at nholdridge. Thanks again for tuning in today. We'll see you guys next time.